Hey there, and welcome to The Post, a Redemption Church podcast. I'm your host for today, J.P. Gaylord. We've got a great show for you today. We'll be touching on evangelisms and mission. I just put the S on the wrong word there. It's evangelism, singular, and missions. There we go. All right. Hopefully I remember to edit that part out. Uh, and we are joined today by the one and only Danny Turner. What's up, Redemption? Junior. It's been a while. It has. It's good to have you back. It's great to be back. Uh, Charles Kirby. Hey, everybody. If you want a fun conversation with Charles, just ask him what the most terrifying squirrel in the North American continent known. is. Sorry, everybody already knows. Delmarve Fox Squirrel. <laughs> Go for it. I don't think everybody knows that, but uh, with an activism <laughs> campaign, Charles, yes. you can make this important Amen. piece of information available to all. <laughs> and Andrew Furtaw. Hey, guys, what's up? Who doesn't have an opinion on the most terrifying squirrel on the North American continent? The purple ones are the coolest, though. Yes, amen. That's fair. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we're going to start today mm. with a fun game we like to call Hot Takes. So I'm going to give you uh, a few statements. Some of them may be more meaningful than others. And you can either agree with me or you can disagree and give your reasoning. Are, are you ready? Charles is like in I'm a moment totally of ready. deep thought here. Yeah, I got to get my brain ready. All right, hot take number one. Snow is awesome, and I'm happy it's here today. We're recording on a Tuesday, by the way. I would agree. I like snow. It depends on when it snows. If it's in, like, October, no. If it's in the normal months that you expect snow, awesome. Love snow. Well, good news, it's not October. Yes. It's November. Yeah, but still. I know it'll snow even until April. So if those months happen this year, no, snow's not yeah. awesome. Are okay. you planning on those months not happening this year? No, I'm hoping that they don't have snow. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> thank you for the clarification. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope they don't Listen, happen. Listen, um, I do love snow on some occasions, like Charles saying, like Christmas Day is a good snow day. Absolutely. The, the thing that I struggle with this time of the year, even though it is the right time of the year for snow to start happening, is like we have a lot of winter in front of us. And I, every year it's just like, how do, how do people in Michigan do this consistently? Are you worried that nature jumped the gun a little bit? No, I just don't understand why I still live here, I guess is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Every year, we know this is coming, and here we are And we know you snowbirds are going to be leaving all of us soon, so (laughs) don't act like you love it. They're already gone. That's true. Yeah, it's November. Yeah. 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 All right. So that was hot take number one. Hot take number two, I have more questions about Genesis than before we started going through it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Any other? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that we're in kind of the deep dive of it. I do have more questions, a few more questions than I did before. Um, There's a lot there that's strange. And I think I've always kind of been there. Yeah, I get the sense that when Moses wrote this part of the Bible down like there weren't small children around because yeah. they would have asked a lot more questions. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I feel like I came in with a lot of questions and then some of those questions were answered and then more questions came up. So I feel like it's kind of like net zeroed. It's a wash. That I'm still just at a lot of questions but like not more questions than I had coming yeah, in. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. Okay. Yeah, I would say Josh and I just had a conversation about the Nephilim, fallen angels, yep. demons, how they all relate to one another. Because, mm-hmm. again, every single thing that you could possibly think through has multiple branches of paths that you could go down. Yeah. Which, again, leads to more questions. How do those all relate to one another? Yep. Yeah, and that's kind of the crazy thing. I, got, I did a deep dive uh, in my own uh, uh, devotional time last week about... Um, the reasons why Cain's sacrifice mm. wasn't accepted, mm. yeah. mm-hmm. which, by the way, is one of the most bizarre conversations <laughs> I have ever had with commentaries. 
Uh, some of them seem relatively reasonable, and there are others where you're just like, "What? Where are you getting <laughs> yeah, this from?" Yeah. Yeah. One of them cited, I think, a historical conflict between farmers and shepherds, and it was like, "Yeah, but I don't think that was going on at this time, like, because there weren't any preceding farmers mm. and shepherds." Mm. Uh, Anyway, uh, and now that we've got the Nephilim yeah, uh, on yeah. the scene, That's a whole who, by the way, the Nephilim are, are not the sons of God, which also presents a uh, mm -hmm. an interpretive conundrum. Yeah, like these are two interpretive conundrums over the span of what, like two verses? Yes, <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah, we're tracking, but it's okay because God's going to flood the world, and there won't be any more interpretive conundrums after hard, that. Hard reset. Yeah, <laughs> which. I think also brings up some questions. And Charles, you're going to have a fun interpretive issue, I think, after Noah plants a vineyard when you preach in a few weeks, mm. right? Yeah, thankfully I'm not doing that part. Okay. So I always stop. They only just come yeah. out of the ark, man. They look <laughs> out, and then it's like, to be continued. And I don't have to say anything. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, I was going to read the disclaimer, but I have a, a, a weird feeling about reading the disclaimer about Bible passages. Yeah, you can't do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it. It's all good. Yeah. It's all fun. right. We're here. All right. Well, let's let's keep moving on. Uh, hot take number three: of all the monster stories or genres out there, mm. those involving zombies are the most compelling. I like zombie stories. I do. I'm trying to think if there's a more compelling. Is it? What was your category or genre? Monster stories. Monster. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I really like creature features and like animal type of those type of weird things. Yeah. Like those are more captivating, or that's what I like a little bit more. I really okay. like Stranger Things a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. there's no What's zombies. Months. It's not really like zombies. They're more like, like it's just like the, the upside down is just kind of like a, yeah yeah. All right, well, Danny said it. The previously cited <laughs> TV show, yes, well done. Netflix series, well done. is not endorsed by Redemption Church or its leadership. It has not been checked for inappropriate or offensive content and should be engaged with at the consumer's own risk. It is really good, though. I'll just add that. We, it gets we, darker every single time. It I would, does. I would guard it's your totally. your heart and your mind. It gets not yeah. like Danny. Danny's totally. he's got a lot of liberty. <laughs> to the free, all things are free. Yeah. 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 yeah, and to the pure, all things are pure. But yet, here we are. <laughs> So, yeah, I definitely put Stranger Things in that that monster category, uh, not the genre, the zombie genre though. Yeah. yeah. See, I just think like when you get to the zombie genre, zombies end up representing so many different things, and mm -hmm. people handle zombies in so many different ways. Yeah. yeah. Like just to see the way people handle them, or even the origin story. How how do zombies come about? Yeah, uh, it's, it's I find funny. that absolutely fascinating. Dude, the best book on zombies is World War Z. The book. The movie was Isn't nothing, that by Brad Pitt? Nothing. Didn't no, Brad that, Pitt write that, that no, book? No, he didn't write that. No. But, but yeah, the movie World War Z was crazy, which again, disclaimer, uh, but they ran, so they were crazy, because typically yeah. they're slow. Yeah. So yeah. that was bizarre. That made a twist that was frightening. Fertal, what you got? The only thing that's coming to mind is Goosebump books. Oh. And that's just like everything under the sun. Mm. So I don't know. That's the only thing that's coming to mind. I don't really... Zombie stuff isn't crazy interesting to me. Yeah. It used to be when I was like a kid, but nowadays it's not. Okay. So I would definitely be more along the lines of Danny with Stranger Things. All right. Fair Danny. enough. Fair enough. What's up? Uh, let's keep the... the Hot takes train going? I don't know what I'm saying. I love it. Uh, I love reading random Old Testament stories. Mm. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well done. Yes, me too. There are some weird ones in there. They're very interesting, that's for sure. Yes. So yeah. like when, uh, what is it? I think it's one of the, uh, it's with Elisha. Okay. And they're trying to build a house for the prophets. <laughs> And the axe head falls off one of the guy's axe yeah. into the water, and he cries like, "Whoa, is me! I yeah. lost the lost axe head." It's gone. And Elisha, without thinking, without praying, is just like, "Oh, here's a stick. Go throw it in the river." He does, and the axe head floats. Yep, totally normal. The takeaway <laughs> being, if you lose something in a river, just throw a stick <laughs> throw in, a and stick. God will bring yeah. whatever you lost. Yeah, totally. every time. Yep. 
I so, prefer to call sticks baby trees. Baby trees. <laughs> all right. Get over here, baby tree. <laughs> Sorry. Any, nobody disagrees with that? You guys all enjoy the, the thrill do. and the challenge of the weird Old Testament stories? Absolutely. Yeah. It is very strange. Just parts of it. Yeah. Dude, I'm studying Samuel right now with Dagon the idol that falls down. Oh before gosh, the Ark do of I need to give the disclaimer already? There are some interpretive issues in this hey, one. Hey, come on, guys. This is totally a biblical text. Go ahead and study it. And do yeah. what you need to. It's the Bible. You can't say it. For, okay, go ahead. What? Say what? Say the disclaimer for a biblical passage. I'm not going to say the disclaimer. I'm okay. just going to say if you find this story and read it, in Hebrew, hand may not mean hand. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> Would also explain why everybody was terrified to step on the same step that he <laughs> broke his hand on. So, <laughs> anyway, well, this is taking a turn for the worse. Let's keep moving you along. Okay. I, didn't, um, I didn't do anything. We're gonna skip the next one. I think this one was probably more when we were envisioning Amy being a part of this. Mm, gotcha. Mm, I think mm, she would gotcha. have a strong opinion. Mm. You should not wear denim with denim. Okay. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well. Oh. Well. Any strong opinions? Yeah, um, that is correct. That is definitely correct. You wow. should not wear denim with wow. denim. Yeah, I'm going to have to have a conversation with my wife. Uh-oh, because she dresses me in denim denim, and yeah. she's a stylist, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back out of this. She's intentionally opinion. trying to make you look bad. See ya. You can do that. That's like, okay. I don't mind it. <laughs> you can do I've only got eyes for you. That's what she tells me. <laughs> <laughs> and she only wants other people to have eyes for their own spouses. Fantastic. Danny, are you trying to peek at what the, the upcoming is, question is? He totally is? peeked at the yeah, question. I mean, a little bit. Okay. Uh, well, we'll move on. Last hot take, number six. I don't think I would have gotten along with the Apostle Paul. Mm. Awesome guy. Totally respect him. Yeah. Love the stuff he wrote. Yeah. Uh, but I think if we were I feel it. like in the same church, I think I would struggle. Yeah. I think most guys that are... How do I say this? I'm going to back off, actually. <laughs> Danny just realized where his train of logic was heading and decided to, as Justin would say, vote in abstentia. Yes. Anybody else? Man, I don't know. Would you? Do you think you would have been buddy-buddy with Paul? There's just like a level of intensity I feel like he yeah. brings. Yeah. Charles, yeah. I feel like you'd be friends with Paul. Yeah. I, I debate on what that relationship would have been like. Yeah. But... I think if there was agreement, then there was. There's a strong, convictional movement in Paul, but yet he's also a guy that's described as one who cared for people like a father cares for children, and like a mother cares for her baby. Like that's how he describes his care. So I think there's a rough part in his writings, which exactly they say, like, "Oh, you're so harsh in your writings," but with us, you're so timid that we only get one-sided truth of Paul. So That's I think fair. that he, there was a lot more of a tender heart in Paul, um, but he had to write to rebuke quite strongly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's hard. Good. I think I might be changing my hot take. I yeah. Just, yeah, I think so, too. I yeah. like Paul, again. That Thanks, was a Charles. good take. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I probably would not have been a fan of accompanying him in his missionary voyages because some crazy... Terrible yeah. stuff. It's happens. like, come on, can we just get there like normally? Yep. <laughs> like, yep. Do we have to have all this stuff? Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, let us know what you guys think, uh, our listening crowd. You can come up and talk to Charles anytime, and he would love to have this conversation with you. Uh, let's go ahead and transition now into the maybe hopefully more meaningful portion of mm. our podcast. We'll see. Uh, we're going to talk about missions and evangelism, and I made sure to put the plural in the right spot that time. So I recently came across, I think it was a recent survey by Barna. Mm. Uh, he does a lot of statistics and survey stuff in the Christian world, and there are some really interesting things that come out uh, from time to time. Uh, this was kind of troubling, uh, I guess, to me as a former missionary. Let me see if I can pull this up here real quick and go through some of the findings. So they surveyed people, and uh, they were talking about the Great Commission. So among U.S. Christians, the question was, before today, have you heard of the Great Commission? And was it 70, just about 70% of U.S. Christians either said no or I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. That seems like a remarkably high number mm -hmm. for a passage that I feel like we talk about or should be talking about on a pretty regular basis. Mm -hmm. A follow-up question 
was which of the following teachings of Jesus is referred to as the Great Commission? And among U.S. Christians, uh, 51% said they weren't sure. Only 31% selected go and make disciples of all nations, the classic traditional Mm -hmm. uh, passage that is labeled the Great Commission uh, by historical Christianity. Uh, So only 31% identified that passage and the remaining people identified a different verse. Then the last one I want to share is, let's see, the question, among the following statements, which comes closest to what you believe about missions? Again, these are U.S. Christians answering this. Uh, The first statement is, missions is a calling for some Christians, and 51% agreed with that. Uh, And the second one is missions is a mandate for all Christians, meaning all Christians should be involved in missions in some way, shape, or form. And only 25% agreed with that. Uh, So I guess the first question is, one, does this surprise you? And maybe two, what role should the Great Commission have in our lives as individual Christians? Can we sidebar and read the Great Commission just for our friends that maybe are in that category of people that are a little bit foggy on what it is? Yeah, so uh, the classic Great Commission passage is going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. I'm just pulling it up here. Uh, And so this is after Jesus is resurrected. Uh, It's one of the last moments he spends with his disciples. I'll start in verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, and this is uh, kind of the formal Great Commission passage, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And again, that's Matthew 28, really verses 19 and 20. So that is what we're talking about here. Yeah. All right, so two questions we have on the table are, um, I forgot what the first one was already. Does it surprise you? Does it surprise you? you? And what role should the Great Commission play in the lives of individual Christians? Yeah, I mean, a lot lot to say here. I would say no, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I think that one of the things that is most striking to me recently, just thinking about how people view church, especially in the West and interact with church organizations is that um, a lot of times what happens is a church is viewed through the lens of um, kind of like any other business that you would go and get a gooder service um, from. Right, so you go to a place, they have a professional there that does the thing. Like you go to your doctor, you ask them medical advice and they're the ones that, that um, can kind of give you what you're paying for or whatever service that you um, require for them. And so I think we've taken that mindset and kind of a consumeristic uh, culture and applied that to the church. So when we come on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whatever, what we're doing to some extent is buying into a brand and buying into a, um, a honestly looking to our religious leaders as people that are the resident experts or that are providing the service and we are only really the consumers of it. And so I think um, taking that mindset into like Jesus' call to make disciples, well, yeah, absolutely. He calls people, you know, we would, I think all agree that there are some people that are called to um, take on the primary responsibility of that work. And we would all probably agree that that's missionaries, pastors, worship leaders, whatever. Um, But then to say like, well, it's also my responsibility. I think that's where it gets foggy because like, who am I to take the gospel to my neighbor or whatever when um, that's not primarily my job? And I think, you know, there's a lot to say there, but I think that, especially in American culture, is maybe one of the biggest hindrances I see um, to really making disciples that make disciples themselves. 
Yeah, and just to clarify, you say making disciples that mm. make disciples. While that may not have been explicitly spelled out in the Great Commission, <laughs> that essentially is what Jesus is asking. Yeah. Because if you obey all that Jesus has commanded, right. uh, you're also teaching the people that you're leading to Christ, yes. how to lead other people to Christ, and how to disciple them. Uh, I, I appreciate what you're saying about yeah. you know professional uh, or vocational ministry, but mm. yeah, this really does seem to be something that Jesus doesn't ask only a few people to do, 100%. but is asking everybody to do. This is what it means to mm -hmm. follow Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Other I, thoughts? I would say the most surprising thing for me, so my history, I grew up going to church pretty much my entire life. And so understanding, even as you term it, like missions, missions was always something that was overseas. Yeah, it was right. never something that took place in America. Like we send money over for missions or these are missionaries who are doing the mission of the Great Commission. So the fact that we don't necessarily emphasize it here, that is that is surprising because I just assume that people know what that is. But I would say the, the harder part for me is the fact that we just assume that that is to be done outside of our neighborhood mm -hmm. by other people that we're supporting. So yeah. to Danny's point, like, well, I pay missionaries, so therefore, of course, <laughs> we're missions-minded. Yeah, right. Like, look at how many, and I could have pictures, a wall in the church dedicated to the pictures of the families of missionaries yeah. that we currently support. Of course, we do missions. Yeah. And yet I never would share the gospel with anybody that I actually see face-to-face -face on a regular basis. Like that's, that's a false dichotomy that we as American culture have set up in churches and in expectation. I mean, JP, you served as a missionary in France. Like talk about that. Yeah, this is true. Uh, we did serve as missionaries in France. Uh, it was a really difficult but good experience. I think we learned to trust God a lot more through it. But yeah, uh, that was where you recognize a need or a significant deficiency. Because contrary to popular belief, uh, I don't know if you're listening to this podcast, just take three seconds and guess what percentage of people in France would be considered evangelical believers. Mm. All right, now that you have that number uh, in your minds, uh, when we arrived in France 10 years ago, it was less than 1%. Wow. According to, I guess, the, the missions uh, reference book, Operation World, mm. Pakistan, that's right, Pakistan had the same percentage of believers, wow. evangelical believers, wow. as France did. Does. That's crazy. Uh, which absolutely blows my mind. So we made a decision. Part of it was feeling the Lord calling us to go there, but part of it was just seeing that spiritual need and just our hearts absolutely breaking for it. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, we responded to the call, we raised support, we went over there, we learned French uh, as best as we could. <laughs> we said a lot of uh, things that probably didn't make sense or at times were inappropriate, but we went over there to try and address that need. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, in one sense, that's great. And I'm a hundred percent for it. We need people like that. Uh, yeah. Whether it's going to, um, you know, areas that don't have any witness or whether it's people yeah. going kind of backfilling countries and areas yeah. that once had a witness. Yeah. And yeah. this is one of Josh's big things is this area in West Michigan is quickly going down the road to being a lot like France. Hmm in a lot of other Western European countries. Yeah, absolutely. I forget what the actual number is, but it's somewhere between 65 and 70% of people in West Michigan, mm -hmm. or sorry, in Hudsonville, Jenison, and Granville, okay. uh, would consider themselves unchurched or dechurched. Uh, which when you think about the number of churches and what things was like yeah. a generation ago, that seems just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, what Jesus is calling us to is to feel that brokenness yeah. or that, yeah. that the need all around us in our families, at our workplaces, yeah. uh, and not to wait for somebody to come and take care of it themselves, mm -hmm. but yeah. because we have the Holy Spirit in us and we are equipped with the gospel mm. just to begin to share. Just, I think uh, one of my uh, alternate version of the Great Commission is in John, where Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, we're not called to be necessarily apologists and give mm -hmm. all this crazy, like, mm -hmm. 
textual criticism evidence for why the Bible is, you know, uh, reliable and things like that, but simply to talk to people Mm -hmm. and to tell people about the grace and forgiveness that we've received and how Jesus has made a difference in our lives. Um, so, uh, sorry, I, I get on a, a bit of a soapbox. Well, because, it's part of your heart, man. Yeah. Like, that's your life. Definitely. So Definitely. That's part of, yeah, your, God wrote that story in you. And mm-hmm. honestly, as you're talking, I think one of the things that's very difficult that I've been pressed into, again, Callie and I thinking of even planting a church in Holland, like people have rebuked us, like you realize there's so much yeah. happening. In, and there is, like, and that's the mm-hmm. truth is that that is still a wrestling. Like, Lord, is that truly the place where you would have us. But here's what I see about Jesus. Again, Jesus is telling us to become obedient to him, which is become more like him in the way that he lived. And I think as Jesus looked upon the crowds, the Bible often says that he was moved with compassion Mm -hmm. for these people. Jesus didn't have an extensive global mission. Mm -hmm. He had a very localized mission to Mm -hmm. his own people. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, he had limited time limited focus, and he commissioned us to yeah. take the Bible to mm-hmm. the nations. So that does mean some people need to be a JP to go over to France. But 100%. the majority of us are going to look like churches that are faithful in the cities, yes. towns, areas, neighborhoods. As Redemption says all the time, God has you where he has yeah. you to advance the gospel through you. Advancing the gospel is having those conversations because yeah. faith doesn't come apart from hearing. So if people aren't hearing, it's not just living. I'm not just raking my neighbor's leaves. I'm also sharing with them the testimony of what Christ mm-hmm. has done in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great focus of redemption. And I hope that people take that seriously because that is the heart of God, is that he saved you to make you mm-hmm. a witness of the goodness and glory of God to the people you're around. Yeah, so that is for all people. It has to be for all people. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think that's something that's so interesting and not that it's actually contrary of what you experience, but instead it's actually something that's added to it. I've actually had experience going on mission too. Hmm. I served for three months. It wasn't anything crazy, um, but I served for three months down in Tijuana, Mexico as an intern. Did all the classical missions work that you would expect. Hmm. I built houses, I brought food to places, I made meals for families. I spent time at an orphanage. Did you paint? You had to paint. I or it doesn't paint. Count. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I did paint. Yeah. It's legit, everybody. <laughs> and and not that that not that that didn't teach me anything. Actually, that taught me how broken the world is. Um, but ultimately, what it truly taught me is. One, that that kind of missions work isn't necessarily what God's calling on my life is, but instead actually that there is missions work still to be done where we are today. So as much as we claim West Michigan to be this, like obviously we have churches up and down the streets and you go literally a block, I don't know, on my drive in through Granville, I drive past what feels like 30 churches and all the parking lots are full. But my thing that I always come to is like, Well, then why is Granville like not on fire for Christ? You know what I mean? Like, why are we not seeing this city being completely redeemed and completely renewed and completely changed? But actually instead that it is these smaller things that we're being called to that you don't necessarily have to be a missionary to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you know the gospel, you've given your life to Christ and you understand that the Bible is truth, you're a missionary. Hmm. You are, you're, you're being called to be a disciple and you are being called to disciple others. And so whether that's sharing the gospel to somebody, raking their leaves, or even what I do in my day-to-day work with, with some of my buddies that I have from high school still, I just love them. Yeah. I've actually never shared the gospel with any of those guys that I'm still friends with from high school, but they actually ask me for prayer. They ask prayer requests from me and it's because they understand that there's something different there and they bring their needs to me and they would never tell those needs to any other person because they feel, they feel anxious in doing that. But instead what that's doing, it's, it's, it's showing them the love of Christ. And then ultimately, if I have the opportunity to give them that, 
conversation. I would love to, but ultimately I think, I think we are just being called to, to love those around us. That's good. Uh, let's maybe uh, take a bit of a different direction and just let's share stories about evangelism. Mm. Uh, who have you shared the gospel with? How has it gone? Uh, hey, even if it's gone terribly, like I think that can be encouraging. Some of my greatest encouragements have been uh, from hearing about how other people have failed, but they still took the risk. I would say my most recent one was my uh, mechanic in Holland. Uh, he, his name is Moses. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, but he is a guy who, uh, when I was going through kind of some of the tension of trying to figure out what the Lord would have, like I kind of shared some of the story. He knew that I had been a pastor in West Olive. And so there was this natural connection. And I remember I shared with him some of the things that I was teaching at the church. And he has, I, I, this is the hard part is that many people have some, background in religion. So he comes from a Roman Catholic background. Mm -hmm. And so there's that understanding of a God character in a story, but not clarity on God's part in that story of him and his life. And so he talked a lot about his family, he talked a lot about how he doesn't betray his family and how he loves like his family. And as a father, like he's trying to help raise his kids. And that just led me into like, I, I told him, I said, you value family. And I said, and God values his own family as well. And I said, and he values his children so much that he gave Jesus to die on a cross to gain them back. Like if your kids ran away or did these things, like you would fight to gain them back. And I said, and this is what God in his grace did for us in Jesus Christ. He sent him to die on a cross and he showed that he raised him from the dead to prove to us that there is hope after death, that he actually did what he said he would do. And so just now it wasn't phenomenal to him. Like it's not like he's never heard that message and I'm not asking him to have the first time hearing that message. Like not everything is going to be like the Ethiopian eunuch where you're meeting the person and all of a sudden they're like, Hey, what stops us from being baptized? Like, yeah. this is great. But it is the ongoing. You have to trust just like the Bible talks about the sower going out to sow seed is that you throw the seed. You just throw the seed. I'm not worried about Moses's heart and his, response to that because the Bible says that the seed hits the soil and it grows up automatically by itself. In other words, that's the grace of God doing the work. As Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, God caused the growth. Mm -hmm. So again, I might've planted, I might've simply watered. I don't know where it is in that, but that's the truth is that as you're sharing the gospel, somewhere in that process, that person is potentially going to receive or reject Christ. And you have no part in which one that is. You just show faithfulness and sharing. Yeah. So that's, that's, that was a recent experience of me. And it was just my mechanic. But I had built a relationship with him over probably two or three years. Right. So yeah, again, yeah. it's not without relationship. In my, in my opinion, yeah. you can do it without relationship. So I have also shared like with students at I sub at a school, like just talking about the faithfulness of God. Yeah. I have the freedom to do that. That's a one-off. Yeah. Probably not going to have that opportunity again, but it's okay. You find an opportunity. I think Paul prays, like, pray that we would have an open door. That's yeah. all he's looking for. Give me an open door and I'll share. And sometimes God withholds a door. Sometimes he opens a door. Just, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Danny, Andrew? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of which one to share. Um, there was... I'll, I'll share a, a tough experience because I think that's it's helpful to kind of understand where where it could go. Um, would love for each one of these you know opportunities to um, kind of develop into something that's really positive. But like like Charles is saying, like you're you're part of a bigger process, and I think trusting the Lord um, is absolutely essential in 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 spreading the gospel. But um, there was a there's a guy that um, I got connected to through. Um, uh, he's actually like a uh, extended family member um, uh, of Lexi's family, and we've only been married for a couple of years. So you know, it's kind of first time meeting um, this guy, and he kind of lives out of town. So, um, but you know, kind of like what Charles is saying, like grew up in the church, has an experience with um, the Lord, and um, we kind of hit it off, and and just did like a coffee thing, and um, it was just an opportunity to like 
you know, hear his story. And I, I'm big on that. Like if I have time and space to connect with a person, instead of saying like, hey man, uh, here's like a pamphlet and like, here's, you know, eternity's coming, bro. And like, you know, I, I think the Lord can use that. Yeah. But yeah. what I, I see so much in the, in the, in the, especially in the gospels is Jesus has a way of making human beings feel human mm-hmm. and seen and, um, and loved. Yeah. Um, without um, without judgment on the front end and then you can you can work with the relationship that's built yeah. and so you know I just asked him hey man tell me your story and it was cool like we we have a ton in common a lot with anxiety and depression and there's there's wounds all over the place that I'm just kind of mentally like okay Lord I'm I'm, I'm Uh, it seems like you're revealing this to me. And I was just straight with them at the end of the conversation. I just said, dude, I'm I'm beaming at this point. Like your story feels like my story. And I just want you to know, man, I've got hope, not because like there's a religious system or something to offer you um, or not just even that you would come to my church and like drink the Kool-Aid. Like I've got hope because Jesus has radically changed my yeah. life. And I believe that through putting your faith in him right now, he can do that for you. And ultimately he looked at me and he was like, um, you know what, man, like I've been thinking about that, um, but there's just some, there's some kind of hiccups and I don't completely think I could get there. And I just, I just looked at him and I said, dude, I, I want you to know I love you mm-hmm. and God loves you. And I think this is gonna end well. I don't know how it's gonna work out. Um, and I pray for that kid. And I don't, I don't know where he's at. You know, I'll check in every once in a while. Um, but you know, like, like Charles is saying, you, you don't know what the Lord's gonna use. And if that was a seed, um, then you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to be in the process. That's awesome. Andrew? Yeah, so um, I've got a buddy that I spend a, a decent amount of time with. Um, and one day we were, we were taking a little car trip up to Whitehall. Um, and he had just spent the weekend with another one of my buddies that is a camp counselor down in Southern Michigan. And he went and helped volunteer down there. Um, so my buddy is not in church circles at all, had zero idea what he was expecting when he got there. And he had got there and basically like volunteered out of spite because there were so many topic points that got brought up that he just was not cool with. Mm-hmm. Um, just LGBTQ issues and so many things that he just completely got turned off from and was like, man, this is not my thing. <laughs> um, so he left that situation just like angry at Christianity as a genuine concept. Um, in which he then got in my car literally the Monday after and we're driving up to Whitehall. So we had like 45 minutes in the car and he eventually, he just felt nervous the whole time. And then he eventually was like, what do you think about this topic? (laughs) And just unloaded everything at me. And I was like, oh boy, all right. Um, That was a lot. Um, But then I eventually, yeah, I got the opportunity to share the gospel to him where I ultimately was like, um, hey man, yeah, there are a lot of different things that are in the Bible that, that say very specific things about law. And, and I do follow those and I'll be completely straightforward with you with that. Um, and I'll tell you that I agree with a lot of their stances. Um, but ultimately I think what was missed is, is the love aspect within there. And I was like, ultimately I do what I do, not because I just follow this ancient book because it's a book and everybody around me follows it. But instead actually that I've experienced love from God that I can't even comprehend that has been so overwhelming to me and my character that I actually want other people to experience that love. And I believe that people experience that love through specific confines and rules. Um, And just kind of explained all of that to him and kind of in the middle of that road, he was like, okay, that's fine, I guess. Um, And wasn't like super happy with it. And honestly just ended that conversation really awkwardly and abruptly. And then we spent the next three hours with each other (laughs) and he just kind of pushed past it and didn't talk about it anymore. And I haven't talked about it with him for months. Um, but ultimately it's that conversation of planting a seed 
of I have no idea what that conversation meant to him. It might have just completely bounced off of him, but ultimately that doesn't matter. Like I, I love him and I care for him and I want to spend time with him and yeah. and continue to show him that love. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I've got two stories I want to share, yeah. brief stories. But before I do, if you're listening, would you write to us and share your stories with us? Yeah, we would scary. absolutely love to hear uh, how the Lord has worked through evangelism, uh, whether it's like successful, you know, air quotes successful, and you know, someone came to know the Lord through it, or whether it seemed like a complete disaster. I just think it'd be really encouraging for us as a community to be able to share some of these and talk about it, because yeah. uh, I think one of the biggest hindrances is fear. But if you realize, you know, hey, everybody's tried. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it seems to fail miserably. Like yeah. that helps us move forward and uh, find the courage in the Lord to to continue to share and, you know, seek these opportunities out. Yeah. Um, so my story, uh, the first one is in France, what we tried to do, because this seemed like such a huge leap of faith for people, mm. was we tried to kind of reframe evangelism as rather than it being this full-on gospel presentation, just start a spiritual conversation with someone. And a lot of people kind of had their own ways. Some people would say, like, what's your spiritual background or something like that. Mm. Uh, my favorite way was just asking somebody if they had heard a Bible story and then asking them questions about it mm. because who doesn't like answering questions or giving their opinion on something? Yeah. So we, we actually did this whole evangelism training where we taught people to tell the story of Zacchaeus and then ask a question mm. about what the person who just heard the story thought about a certain part. Mm. Uh, and I mean, we had the best story uh, that came back from this. And then we sent them out. We actually sent them into the street in our little town in France mm. to tell the story of Zacchaeus to random strangers. Yeah. And they uh, they all did it. So these two older ladies, uh, like little old ladies, went in a group to the Would middle of town. Would you say we little ladies? Well, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we were in France, not Scotland, but... Uh, <laughs> no, because uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. I just saw a meme about about that, whereas Zacchaeus is like, I just gave, you know, I so much in reparations and I just gave my life to the Lord. And really the only detail you want to remember is that I was a wee little, little man. man. <laughs> sorry, sorry, derailed your story. Go ahead. You said little old ladies. Yeah. I just couldn't help myself. So little old ladies go to the center of this town and they, uh, they stumble upon like two young Muslim guys and they're like, well, why not? Yeah. So they ask him if they've heard the story of Zacchaeus and they say, no. And so they tell them the story of Zacchaeus. They end up having like a 45-minute conversation wow. with people they never would have talked to so cool. any other way. Yeah. Wow. And people who, you know, most people would have been like, yeah, those people seem like they would not be terribly open to talking about the gospel. And so these two older ladies who didn't want to do evangelism because it felt too overwhelming simply told a story and then had a 45-minute Bible study conversation yeah with people who yeah, desperately cool. needed to hear the gospel. They came back and they were absolutely beaming. They could not believe what had yeah. just happened. I don't think anybody gave their life to the Lord that day, but seeds were sown, yeah. Jesus was talked about, yeah. yep. and all of the themes of like, you know, repentance, forgiveness, all that stuff came up in the conversation. Yeah. They were absolutely blown away. That's awesome. Uh, for me personally, uh, we have a neighbor in France, uh, had a neighbor in France who would tell his kids, uh, our kids and his kids like to play a lot, but he would tell his kids the Bible is just a collection of fairy tales, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, is kind of par for the course when it comes to France uh, and their postmodern thoughts on things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I remember I was studying actually the, the Great Commission, the passage to preach on it. And there was a part in there. It's where they all come, they all fall down and worship. And then uh, I forget which verse it is, 16 or 17, it says, but some doubt it. Yeah. And that confused me. And the beautiful thing about the Bible is Bob, but God is way more than capable of like defending himself or yeah. getting truth to come out. So rather than being like, oh man, I need an answer for this, I thought... I'll go ask my non-Christian neighbor what this means, what he thinks. So I went over there. I was like, hey, I'm studying this passage. Do you mind if I tell you what it says and ask you a question about it? He's like, yeah, sure. 
So I, I, you know, tell him back the passage because it's short and well known. Yeah. I'm like, I don't get this. How could people doubt like resurrected Jesus is standing in front of them? Mm. How could they doubt? Then he threw out a few options. We ended up having a great conversation, which then led, and this is why I lean so heavily into the just start a spiritual conversation because mm. one thing led to another and all of a sudden we were talking about the gospel. Wow. And he said something like, yeah, you know, like I get why it, it might be important for some people, but mm. really if I die, how, is God really going to be that angry with me? And I'm like, you know what? I see what you're saying. Uh, you're a decent person and you haven't done terrible things. But think about that for a second. If God really is who he says he is, mm. the fact that you have lived your life in either willful ignorance or blatant disobedience to what he wants mm. or even his presence and reign over your life, that's probably not going to go well. And it led to like another conversation. I remember sitting there and at first he was sitting like straight up, kind of leaned forward, engaged in the conversation. By the end, he was like slouched back in his seat, staring off into the distance. Uh, I, I think it was because I hopefully had given him enough to think about. Uh, hmm. And the last thing he said in that conversation was like, you know, you're really good at this. <laughs> Which was like, you know, uh, at the end of the day, he didn't yeah. come to know the Lord. We're still yeah. praying for him. But yeah. like that's all you can ask for is yeah, just getting sure. into a conversation. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And my sense is a lot of people try and force the gospel presentation mm -hmm. when a yeah. lot of people just need the spiritual conversation and it'll open up into yeah. Yeah. a much better conversation that'll address maybe some of the barriers yeah. before getting to the real yep. gospel. Yeah. But. Yeah, as you say that, honestly, one of the things I just reminded of a conversation I had with a young lady on a plane. I was on a plane ride just last week. And again, the Lord is making appointment. Now, both of us, I had the expectation that I would watch a movie on the, on the plane <laughs> and go back. But we just happened to strike up a conversation and both hoping that no one else sat in the row so that we didn't have to be like smashed in the row. And no one was there. So I started talking to her and heard like, number one question, why are you traveling to where you're traveling? And that opened up a whole conversation, heard her whole story, long story short. The thing that I realized is it takes a lot of time listening before you actually get a good opportunity to speak. Yeah, like that's, that's the, if you're trying to dominate the conversation yes. with the gospel, mm -hmm. I think we have to understand even James talks about being slow to speak and quick to hear, mm -hmm. slow to become angry. Because, and, and Paul, look at Paul's life. I think of Paul, the opportunities that he has to talk to people, it's kind of, it is often conversational or sometimes it's proclamatory. But when he's up there in Athens, right, they're sitting there going, hey, buddy, they invite him to share. He's not going up there, listen up, you pagans. Let yeah. me tell you what's going on here. Yeah. They go, hey, do you have something new to tell us? And then he honors them, but then shares the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some people who believe, majority of people did not. Then you get him in front of Felix, and you get him in front of Festus, and you've got him talking to Herod, and all of these things in the end of Acts. And even Herod like mocks him and goes, are you really trying to think that I would become a Christian so soon? Like he mocks Paul's presentation. This is the Apostle Paul, right? And he mocks his presentation. Yeah. Really, Paul? Come on, buddy. And he goes, yeah, I do. I do wish that you would be like me, except without these chains. And so you see there's not many times the response. And I think, as you said, like having the spiritual conversation, opening a door and just being faithful to share within that, but mm -hmm. asking through, guiding through questions, maneuvering through questions is very helpful because that God made that person and he made them with experiences that for often is mm -hmm. many times people turned away from God because of hard yeah. Yeah. realities. And yep. you coming and having a conversation with them is hopefully like strengthened through the love and the care that you have for yes. that person. Because if you're going in there with the agenda simply to share the gospel, which is tantamount, you need to, but be patient, be yep. patient. Yep. It's okay. It's good. Yeah, yeah. The Lord is guiding. His yeah. spirit is moving. Mm -hmm. He is. He knows those who are his. Mm -hmm. And he will use you. Just be faithful and pray. And pray as you're talking to the person. Mm -hmm. Lord, guide me. Lord, give me mm -hmm. wisdom. Lord, what question? What? Where do I go? That, I think, is something that is absolutely tangible because it's totally God-dependent. Mm -hmm. God must do what he does. And he loves to use us. But he might not do it in our lifetime. It might be something where it falls on, quote, unquote, deaf ears for that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, let me ask uh, Danny and Andrew, do you guys have any advice? If there are people listening to the podcast or yeah. even students listening to the podcast, uh, what would you say to them uh, to help encourage and just give direction to sharing their faith or opening up spiritual conversations with people around them? Yeah, I would say the, the, the first thing for me um, is if you're listening to this, um, you are going to naturally share what you have experienced yourself. Yeah. And so I think a lot of us go, well, evangelism might be for other people because we see um, maybe the pastors or small group leaders or your parents or your grandma that prays all the time as fundamentally different than you. And I would just, um, you know, as, if you're listening to this and the Lord's tugging on your heart, um, maybe it's a, it's a time to, to give him more of yourself and to really um, yield, you know, your, your whole life to Jesus, even in this moment. Um, so I think that's, that's first is, um, yes, there are times when I don't necessarily want to like preach the gospel or share. I think that's totally human, but there is a level of like, um, the gospel is not just a set of things that we memorize to give to other people to make them Christians is a life-changing experience um, of coming to know the God uh, of this universe in a personal, intimate way. And he's inviting people to do the same. Um, I would say the second thing is um, don't minimize what effects you can have in the people around you. God has you in your, in, God has you where you has you to advance the gospel through you is what we say. Another way to say that is that you matter in the places that God has put you. Um, I love that passage. The great commission is that all authority has been given to Jesus. And it's strange to me that he doesn't say, so then he made like a missionary movement and then they did all the work. No, he said, all authority yeah. has been given by God to me. And this is my strategy. Go and make disciples as you are disciples. So as you are learning how to come, come and, and learn how to, to live like Jesus, um, God has a, 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 a lot of trust and faith that that um, mission plan will actually um, hmm. come to fruition. Um, so so don't, don't think about these opportunities as small things. God is entrusting you with the gospel itself. Yeah, if I can jump in before we go to Andrew real quick. Uh, the three things, small pieces of advice, I promise they're small, uh, would be one, you don't need to be somebody you're not. Mm -hmm. For so long, I heard of, you know, like the, uh, the way of the master or evangelism explosion. Yeah. And you'd see like video clips of, I think it was Ray Comfort yep. on the street surrounded <laughs> yeah. by yeah. people, yeah. Uh, you know, asking him, you know, do you, do you believe you've uh, obeyed the law or something? And people would be like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, have you ever lied? <laughs> no. <laughs> and they'd be like, and everybody well, laughs. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And he goes, well, what does that make you? A liar. Yeah, exactly. And it just got to be like super intense. And I was like, these are not the conversations I'm comfortable having. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was only later that I realized like that's if that's his deal or his, you yeah. know, yes. uh, yeah. gig, like yeah. great. Then yeah. he should go for it. That's not mine. So that's not yeah. what I do. So even as I talk about like, mm. I'm just looking to start a spiritual conversation. Yeah. Like that's my thing. Maybe you who are listening have like a much more aggressive approach. Mm -hmm. If you're wired that way, then go for it. Yeah. If you've got a different question to ask or a different way, like be true to yourself because mm -hmm. God will use that. He specifically designed you and created you with your personality to use it for his kingdom. Yep. So don't get locked in a box of, well, I saw somebody else do it this way, so this is how I have to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, the second thing I'd say is just listen. Uh, Charles, you were saying this, listen. Yeah. And as you hear stuff in other people's lives, mm -hmm. uh, Danny, you brought up you know, resonating with anxiety and mm -hmm. things like that in somebody else's life. As you hear stuff in other people's lives, that God has met you in your own life with, use that as a gentle bridge to say, yeah, hey, like absolutely. I hear you, I resonate with mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. And actually here's what happened regarding that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the last piece of advice I would give is if you're reading your Bible, you are 100% capable of starting a spiritual conversation. Uh, if you have a question about something you read, ask somebody who doesn't believe <laughs> or who isn't a Christian that question. Uh, and it may seem scary because you don't necessarily have an answer to it, but it will open up all sorts of opportunities to talk, share a story, ask a question. Uh, and that for me has just been a really amazing way to share the gospel. 
Andrew, what are your thoughts? I tell our our high school guys, I'm a small group leader for them. Um, I actually was talking to them a, a couple of weeks ago about this, um, that, that you don't necessarily have to know the Bible from front to back, um, that you don't have to be a teaching pastor standing on the front stage. You don't have to be a worship pastor leading worship or, or be so fluent in prayer like, like a leader around you is. Um, but instead that, that you are already a missionary. You're already on mission for the gospel and for God's kingdom. Um, and that you don't have to necessarily even, I don't think any of us have it all together. You don't have to have it all together to even be able to go on mission and share the gospel with people. Actually, I think God wants to use broken people more than he wants to use people that are all put together. Um, not that any of us are. Um, but one of my favorite passages that we, we actually went to a conference with our students when I had just started serving at student ministry, um, we went to a young saints conference and it was on first Timothy four, um, 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love and faith and purity. Um, and I love that so much for our students because they were just, they were, we were starting to push them into becoming disciples and discipling people. Um, but now I think it speaks even heavily, even more heavily on them as we went to summer camp this last year and we had, um, it was, it was called scent and it was being the aroma of Christ. And we actually ended it with a call to missions. Um, in a larger aspect of potentially going and serving on missions or actually making ministry your full-time vocation. Um, but I even ended that conversation with some of the guys that didn't come to that call necessarily. I had three, three of our guys that came back to the back of the room and came and talked with me, but I even landed it with the other guys that were in that room of like, hey, even if you didn't stand up and full-time vocational ministry is not your thing, you are still on mission. I am not even in full-time vocational ministry. I'm an intern here at Redemption, but even my work as somebody that is following Christ and, and is serving the kingdom of God, my work doesn't start and end on Tuesdays when I step into this office and then Sundays when I go to church. Actually, my work is even further outside of that aspect. And it's actually the people that have been brought into my life. Um, so I, just, just for our redemption families to actually know that that's being taught to your students literally every weekend is that they are young saints. They are on mission for God's kingdom and that they actually do have the power to be able to do those things and to not let, not let somebody look down on them for how young they are, but instead actually they, they have energy to go and do things like that, to go on missions trips and to go be missionaries, to do things like that, but also then to just share the gospel with those that they're in school with and friends with. Awesome. Well, Charles, you have the, the privilege, the responsibility of hitting us with some closing thoughts here. Dude. Tips, advice, encouragement? I would say, and let me, I'd love to close in prayer too, because I think that's, I think that's one of the things is prayer is absolutely tantamount. As you think of your neighbors, the people that you see, your family, it is raked with difficulty relationally. Some of, some of the people are praying. I know of uh, godly people who are praying over and over and over again for the salvation of their son or their daughter or their aunt or uncle. Like continue in that. Let me encourage you, continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. Seek opportunity, share, write them a letter, write them an email, whatever it is. Just take opportunity to do that, to care for people. But also, I think in our world, like since the division in America is growing so drastic. I think we have to continually focus on the heart of Jesus towards the world. Yeah. So hard to do because we want to get our opinion out and we want to stand on what is true, but yet we are still called to have the same heart as Jesus towards people. I think of Paul's words where he says, this is a trustworthy saying deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then he says, of whom I am the foremost. And I think that's something that you and I have to keep a, a good mind 
about constantly reminding us that the only reason I'm saved is because of God's grace and his kindness and mercy shown to me in Jesus Christ. That is the same thing that Jesus wants given to these people as well, to those who might actually be my enemy. But the Bible demands that we love our enemies, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those who are against you. Like, And I go, that is so contrary to our nation's mantra right now. But that is what a Christian is called to. Again, the Great Commission is because Jesus Christ has the authority. He's the one in charge. He's the one building his church. He's the one using weak and I, I don't know all of the foolish things to shame those that are strong yeah. and wise and so on and so forth. But that's where I look at it. I say, God, keep me in that vein of thought. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of the, the encouragement that I would say um, just to all of us. And, and do you have something to share? No, nothing else to share. I just, I love this conversation. This has been super encouraging for me. Yeah. Uh, and I hope for people listening as well. Uh, I mean, we're out of time, so we're going to have to wrap things up. Mm. But uh, just want to encourage you. Do you have more you want to no, say? No, no. Okay. I was just going to close in prayer. That's it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's okay. Go No, close yeah. in prayer. And then I'll do the, the little outro gotcha. thing. Lord, I just ask that you would be with your people. Lord, give us a mind and a heart that desires people to come to a knowledge of you, our Savior, our King, and our Lord. Lord, I pray that we would do it with boldness, with courage, but motivated solely in love for the people that we know. Lord, I ask that in your name. Amen. 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 Well, uh, know that we are praying for you uh, and we really want to hear your stories as well uh, as you maybe respond to this podcast or even past stories of evangelism. So please feel free to connect with us. You can write to us at info at redemptionmi.org or you can send us a message on social media uh, at redemptionmi on Facebook or Redemption Church MI on Instagram. Again, we really, really want to hear your stories. So uh, that's all the time we've got. Uh, until next time, have a great week. <laughs>